It's football and other F-words after dark. My name is Zach Lyons, and it's really fucking late. <laughs> it's really after dark, past my bedtime. Uh, I'm joined by Mike Herndon. You can follow him on X at Mike Herndon NFL. You can follow me on X at F-words pod. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to have some honest conversation about the Tennessee Titans. All of our conversations are honest to a certain degree, but we're just going to have some, we're going to have to have some real hard truths coming for the Tennessee Titans. And also we're going to get to your unpopular opinions. I had to sort through 75 of them and uh, pick out a few that relate how we're going to do this unpopular opinion thing is that because you guys did such a good job uh, keeping it recent and not like said, Oh, well, you know, my unpopular opinion is Marcus said, you know, stayed healthy on Christmas Eve. This, none of this would have ever happened. Like, yeah, okay. We get, it. we get it. You know, you know, if Vince Young, if they Jeff Fisher drafted Vince Young or blah, 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 you know, you know, something different. You know, we're going to get to your unpopular opinions, but they kind of go because you guys did a good job. Like I said, go with the Colts analysis heading into the London game, all this kind of stuff. But first, we have to t- talk about our sponsor, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Mike, there's nothing better than hitting the links, as the kids say, and grabbing beer with buds, hitting the irons in this nice fall weather with the bros. That's why I am so glad listener of the podcast and friend Chris stopped off at Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee and picked us up some nice cold Paradise Park American Lagers by the Urban South Brewing Company. Find them in their cavernous walk-in beer cave. And if you wander around in there, Mike, you might find their secret entrance to a second beer cave, which I did not know existed that Chris has stumbled into. That's probably just inventory, but, you know, we'll we'll just trust Chris here. Um, Mike, after hanging with the lads in the parking lot after a round of 18, smoking black and mild, there's nothing I like more than pouring a nice Coke over some ice and adding in some Disarano and 151 and just relax. Go to Bluegrass to pick up some Disarano and 151 and add it into your Coke and just chill. Doesn't black and milds, 151s, Disarono and Coke, all sound fantastic mixed together. Go to Bluegrass Beverages where they always have your party supplies. And at the middle of the show, we actually have a su- special surprise courtesy of Sinker's Beverages. What do you think of that right, ad read? Bring back. Good. Yeah, doesn't that all sound good? Bring back it a little is bit of It's DeSorono, you uncultured swine. Yeah. Goodness. Well, speaking of uncultured, my, at, least, at least I keep my alcohol in me. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, that's what vacuums are for. That's what vacuums are for. <laughs> Ugh, unbelievable. Anyway, Mike, the Tennessee Titans lost to the Colts, and we will get to the loss of the of the Colts. But something that's been weighing on me, and I want to have an honest conversation about it, is how bad of a situation the Tennessee Titans find themselves in roster-wise, and there is really only, truly, one man to blame. And it's someone that we on this show have defended over and over and over for the years. But every passing week, I look in the mirror and I said, you big fucking dumb idiot. John Robinson was a horrible general manager. If you look at how he has left this team in a wake of destruction and despair and none of his draft picks outside of one draft class has picks that are actually contributing to this team. So I think it's time for us to have an honest conversation and just admit we were fucking wrong. 
I think it's it's complicated in that I think John Robinson did start well. I think he did some good things for this team as far as pulling them out of the the you know cellar of the AFC South that he found them in when he came here, uh, you know, five and twenty seven and and all that uh, that he inherited. They did get better, um, but it it crashed and burned quickly. I mean, and that's the thing. Like you don't necessarily feel the the slip of a bad draft that year right like that that year that that draft was the the 2020 draft happened you know, <laughs> I don't know. we felt that one like, pretty quick with isaiah uh, wilson it, no, that's true it, i mean you did feel it but you did the roster impact it it right. becomes more magnified as time goes on because like those guys from that 2020 class from the 2021 class like you know the 2022 class now that should be the core of this team. Like that should be where your young stars are found. And this team is bereft of young stars on rookie contracts. And yes, like Jeffrey Simmons, he still gets credit for that. Um, but that's the only guy that's like under 30. That's a star on this team. Like, and that's a major problem. Um, so they've got, now they've got a bunch of old guys who, who have aged out of their prime. Like, and we'll, we'll probably talk about, all of these guys to some degree, I'm sure, on the pod. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, Kevin Byard, uh, even Danico Autry. All these guys are outside of their prime. It doesn't mean they're still not good players, but they are not ascending. Jeffrey Simmons is the only one who may be ascending on this roster who's any good right now. Like that that's a major issue. Um uh, think ma- about the people that he's let go that yeah, I get it. Um that you know, at at the time that like, okay, maybe letting Jack Conklin go for twenty million dollars back in twenty nineteen makes sense. And by the way, Jack Conklin still is hurt. Yeah. You know, like he's still constantly right. hurt. And maybe that makes sense to a certain degree, but that like everything that he has done causes these major ripple effects that just that's basically a a tsunami wave crashing down on you. Like, let's say you're out in the ocean. You're boogie boarding, and then one wave comes and knocks you, and you're pretty out, you know, out in the ocean. One wave knocks you down. You're you're riding it for a little bit. You're kind of like falling around and and flailing, and then you get hit with another wave. Then you get hit with another wave and another wave, and you're out on the shore, pantsless. Your pants are in the ocean. The boogie board's down the way. You've lost your sunglasses. It's a disaster. And I think that I just I can't every week i am more and more removed i think man i just feel like we really fucking let john robinson kind of ride also in free agency by the way kind of ride off the success of aj brown and jeffrey simmons and i feel like mike vrabel carried the bulk of the success too we're like well mike vrabel's winning with john robinson's team and now it's like Mike Vrabel's like, I, I, I can only do so much, which is a, another issue we'll have an honest, honest conversation about. But it's, I I felt like we, we knew that they were going for a glow up. And we both have agreed that that was probably likely the scenario that blows up in your face. I wrote about it on Stack in the Inbox. You've written about you. We talked about it here. And I feel like the Titans just do not recognize how bad this roster really is and it's because of Mike Vrabel being able to carry what John Robinson put before him until 
only a coach can only do that so much. I mean, Mike Tomlin has done is doing wonders and putting together patchwork right now. Like not every coach can win with every kind of roster consistently. And that's kind of where I feel like we're at. Like this roster is just has nothing, especially when you factor in that Traylon Burks and Chicaconquo have just shown absolutely hardly any flashes in yeah. in 2023 when they're supposed to. Yeah, and I talked about it with Karski today on his podcast. Um, by the way, this is the the third podcast I've done today about this sorry sack of shit team. <laughs> um, but uh, talking with Paul, it was you know we were talking about like everyone pretty much expected Chig and Burks to to take the sophomore leap right and and that is something yeah. that happens but but that is part of the reason and I, I said it all off season and you know I was concerned that like there was so much projection that was being relied upon for everybody on this team and it came down to like you know we talked about like Andre Dillard going from a backup to a starter uh Daniel Brunskill going from a, a backup rotational guy to a starter um you know Aaron Brewer moving to center um, Peter Skaronsky even being a rookie coming in and starting at left guard, you know, who knew what was going to happen at right tackle. We, we always knew that was going to be a problem. And honestly, it's been less of a problem than what we probably thought it was going to be. But Traylon Burks moving up from a, a role player to a like star, you know, we thought he was going to be wide receiver one, even over Deandre Hopkins. Right. Um, that has not happened. Jacob Conquote stepping up to become a star. So, like, there was two guys that you kind of knew which you could count on from this offense going into the season, and that was Ryan Tannehill, which is not an elite player, right? But you knew what you were going to get from Tannehill realistically, you know? And and he's giving you that. Like, I know everyone's snapshotting the box score and, and shit like that for the season, and, oh, two touchdowns, five interceptions. We got to, you know, throw this guy in the trash can. He's not playing great football, but he also isn't killing them right now right like I, I don't think he's the the reason that they're you know two and three right now uh, you know I, yes the saints game is on him 100 percent completely um but he's played well in other games and I, I really think he's played pretty well the last four games overall but and then henry you know you kind of knew what you're going to get from henry and i think henry's taken a step back um, which I think he took a step back last year, and I know nobody wants to hear it or talk about it, but this is what happens to backs that are about to turn 30 years old and have a lot of mileage at the NFL level. So, yes, I think all of those, I think a lot of the guys that, you know, had some projection, you know, Brunskill's been good. We've talked about that. That's something I was wrong about that I didn't think he was going to be very good. He's been very good. He's been very solid. Not an issue at all for them. But Dillard is a miss. You know, the projection for Burks and Chig taking this, like, big leap into second year, that's a miss so far. Like, could that Fulton's change? Fulton's like a half Maybe. miss because, like, we didn't think – we didn't expect much from Fulton, and then we kind of let Camp kind of, like, say, well, the guy that's going to prove us the most yeah. wrong is going to be Christian Fulton. Well, it turns out we were just wrong about being wrong and right about being right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I this this team's in a bind. But I wanted I want to have an honest conversation because it's been kind of a it's been every coach is on the hot seat according to fans right like if you're if you're not winning a bunch of games you're on the hot seat and I I get you you have a seven game losing streak 
and you're like back and forth teetering. There's signs that the messaging is not coming across and the players are not listening to coaching, but that's more specifically just Christian Fulton, in my opinion. But it seemed like there was a mental collapse. The effort doesn't seem to be there consistently. And it's not that I want to get into a discussion about, well, should Mike Vrabel be on the hot seat? Should he not? But do you think that Mike Vrabel is hitting this kind of like a stale part of his career where his messaging is just not resonating anymore because of losses? And then, okay, if they stack wins, winning cures everything, then maybe we see the old Titans again. Or do you think that this is, and this will bring us to our first unpopular opinion, and if if I can find it, uh, but someone said that um, my unpopular opinion is is that this is Mike Vrabel's version of tanking. So I I just wonder how much blame or do you feel like where where are you at with Mike Vrabel? Like I think we both agree, great coach, top five. Yeah maybe top 10 coach. Maybe he's not top five anymore, but I mean, at one point we both thought top five. I still think that top 10, I uh, I think he's obviously been adaptable or open to the idea of the offense looking and operating completely different than what we've really seen. So he's not stuck in his ways, but the defense is lacking discipline. The offense is lacking discipline penalties everywhere. He sticks by. He says the MPF can't get his job back. But then he sticks by Andre Dillard, who doesn't deserve to keep his job. And, you know, listen, an upgrade's an upgrade. I don't care if NPF still sucks. If he's better than Dillard, you should be benching Dillard, right? Like, right. same thing with Dennis Staley last year. Christian Fulton kind of got like the, well, we kind of thought about benching him. Well, you probably should just fucking bench him. Yeah. Um, so, like, where where are you at? Let's have an honest conversation. Mike Herndon, where are you at on Mike Vrabel? I... I still do think Vrabel is a good coach. I, I, and I think, I think the tricky part of this is if the Titans were to fire Mike Vrabel tomorrow, one, I think he has a job as soon as he wants one um, somewhere else, and I think he'll do well wherever he goes from there. Uh, and that, that's not your problem. Like At that point, you know, he's gone. He's not your coach, whatever. You, know, you move on. But I think the likelihood of them finding a better coach than Mike Vrabel uh, is extremely slim. Like yeah, I, everybody's I, like, well, know. you just get Ben Johnson. Well, Ben Johnson may what? first off may not be good. And, go ahead. Why would Ben Johnson want to come here? Like, there's right. going to be other openings. And like, hey, you're good. You want to inherit the worst offensive line in the league. Um, no young stars. You've got an aging DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, but let me Derrick say this: Henry all these offensive young, contract. all these offensive young coaches want to call their own plays. How do we know yeah. that he could do both? Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that Ben Johnson couldn't be an upgrade over Mike Vrabel, but the likelihood that first off, Ben Johnson even wants to come here. But you don't know what any of these coaches are. You know what Vrabel is. I just, I, I get so. And maybe it's it's bad, okay. So maybe it's just, we're being honest. I'm I'm self reflecting. Maybe this is a bad thing, but I get so sick of his press conference remarks. His coach yeah. better play better. His messaging to fans. 
I get so tired of him saying one thing about one position and turning around and not and being a hypocrite about another position. There's just so much that I dislike. There's but I also, sure. yeah, they're valid points, but I also think there is so much to fucking love about Mike Vrabel. But if it's if the messaging is wearing on me, it has to be wearing on on the players too. So that's my concern. Like he's always been the players coach. You always fall back on players love to play for him. Players yeah. respect him. But you know that that stuff can turn south pretty quick in the NFL for all coaches, not just Mike Vrabel. It definitely can, and I do think his personality like lends itself to some of that too, right? Like the sarcastic, um, you know. And we've heard Will Compton and Taylor Lewan talk about like how the meetings are and stuff like that with Vrabel, and he just you know it, is digs on guys and stuff like that. I think it's one thing to be like that, like you said, when you're winning. Um, when you're 12 and five, when, you know, you're, you're having success. It's another, when you've lost 10 of the last 12 games and everybody's just kind of pissed off generally. And and now you're having to sit in a meeting and the coach is sarcastically taking the piss out of you, you know, in front of all your teammates, like that, that just comes across different in that, that setting. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think there's definitely, some of that um, that could be happening with this team. But, you know, to me, like, if you told me I had to pick between Mike Vrabel or the Titans' whole roster, I'd, I'd pick Mike Vrabel in a heartbeat, right? Like, I'd rather just trade every single player on this team and start Apparently over Apparently, that's a, it's a popular, unpopular opinion, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and, and start over new with Vrabel than I, than I would uh, – you know, fire Vrabel and hope that Ben Johnson's going to come in here and, you know, turn Malik Willis and Will Levis and, and, you know, a bunch of spare parts on offense into, you know, the next coming of the 49ers or chiefs or whoever you want to emulate, uh, you know, with, with the next coach. I, I just, I don't know. I, I still, I still believe in Mike Vrabel as a head coach, I guess, at the end of the day. I mean, we're just having an honest conversation between two buds. Um, and, and I will say there, there's, there's shit that drives me nuts about him, too. Yeah. Like, and I understand that. Okay, so let's get into kind of talking about and have an honest conversation about unpopular opinions, but also tied into the Colts game. So we're going to be pulling double duty here. Yeah. Okay, so we are both of the opinion that Ryan Tannehill isn't the reason why they have lost for the five, or I guess every, I guess two games two of the out three, of the three yeah. that they've lost. Um, But we are seeing a problem in the red zone. And you wrote about the red zone. You stole my idea. You, you, you snaked <laughs> it out from underneath me because I talked about it on a football show on Monday and you must have listened and snaked it. Um, but I want to talk about. I want to talk about where did I put those over here, over here. We're going to tie a couple things into the red zone conversation because you, you we, we kind of talked back, back and forth yesterday about how a lot of people are blaming Tim Kelly for the red zone. Now, here is, we don't know, but we know someone likely is 
designing and game plan, game planning and watching film and and doing the red zone prep work that is not Tim Kelly but Tim Kelly is calling those plays that does not mean Tim Kelly's not involved in the red zone and all that it's just saying they typically have had a coach that their main purpose is the red zone it was Todd Downing in 2019 and 2020 uh we think it was just maybe Todd Downing in it was Art Smith in 2018 we yes. we think it was just Todd Downey in 2021, and then in 2022 is Tim Kelly. So maybe 2021 is the outlier. So this year, I I my bet would be that it's Charles London. But may is do you think that that could be a reason why it seems like they're they get down to the red zone and something just quite isn't right that fits in with the rest of the drive, right? Like the yeah. rest of the drive is flowing and looking good, and then they get into the red zone, and there and a lot of this is player execution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well we'll 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 talk about some of the players and what they could maybe do differently that is tied into some of these unpopular opinions, but. I've asked Easton to get us a qu- an answer to that question. Who is in charge of the red zone this year? If it's not Tim Kelly, but Tim Kelly was good in the red zone still last year, shouldn't it go to Tim Kelly at some point? Shouldn't Mike Vrabel step in and say that's Tim Kelly at some point? And I, I, well, I, I just feel like the issue is, is that whoever's game planning and designing the plays, and I think Justin Otten's a good guess from Stoney here, Whoever is designing the plays is forgetting the good players on the team, it feels like. there's. I, I think there is an issue with the play calling in the red zone generally because there, there is, and I, I mentioned it in my piece on paulkowarski.com, is that they play run this like, flare screen to Henry in the high red zone area. So basically Twice, like between right? 15 and it was, 20. Wasn't, didn't well, they, they do it back to back? They ran it back to back in the Colts game yeah. um, from different looks. Like they dress it up differently, but it's the same fucking play. They ran yeah, it back to back. Yeah, I looked at it as like, was, I think that's the same play. <laughs> that couldn't, that must have been, and I'd, I'd have to go back and double check exactly. It's like the Luke that's Stalker like uh, fullback. But this, you know this how like they the always say they see something? Wave. Well, yeah, I mean, in, yeah. but they ran it successfully earlier in the season, and I, I don't know if they just think that, well, okay, well, now we've got this play, we really love it in this spot, you know, we're going to keep running it, but this is like the sixth or seventh time they've run it in that exact area of the field, so like between the 15 and 20-yard line, um, you can almost guarantee that they're going to run that little flare screen to Henry, and teams know that, teams pick up on those tendencies, and they're they wait for these tendencies to become glaring and obvious and broken before they move away from them and and i don't i don't think they're proactive enough and all right well we've hit this a few times teams are going to react maybe we need to build in like the counter to that before you know we have to take three negative plays in this in this you know one particular concept before we move on so i think there's some stubbornness there but yeah i mean who is designing because that that is something that i Feel like most fans maybe don't realize or understand about how an NFL coaching staff works. Um, you know, obviously Tim Kelly, yes, he's the play caller. He ultimately is in charge. He ultimately is responsible for the offense, but he will delegate. Like third down is one package uh, of plays because that is kind of a unique um, thing. Defenses show unique looks on third down, so a 
one coach will probably have third downs. Another coach might have red zone and their job is to advance scout or take the advanced scouting that they get from, you know, video assistant or whoever else. And look for tendencies, look for what, what defenses does this team call when they're in the high red zone, the low well, red and then zone. You, you talk about the flare distance. screen. It's not every defense that they have faced can be susceptible to this flare screen. Right, that hasn't right. netted a touchdown, right? Right. Yeah. And I think they've, they've been, I mean, they've obviously been incredible in the red zone and almost like unsustainably. So I felt like at times, like, cause they finished first in red zone efficiency in 2019, second in 2020, I think they were fifth in 2021 and then sixth last year. So even in the much maligned like Todd Downing era, they were still killing it in the red zone. They were fantastic down there. Um, and that was a big part of the reason that like, I kind of masked some of how bad this offense really was the last couple of years to me. Um, but they were, they've been incredible down there and something is missing there. And I think it's partly that, and then I think it's partly they can't run the ball anymore. They can't run well, the ball. I was about to get to the, let's get let's get into this. Yeah. Is the un the unpo the popular unpopular opinion uh, is actually on both sides of this argument. But before we get to talking about Tajay Spears versus Derrick Henry, I want to throw out some stats for you. This is between the 19 yard line and the 10 yard line. Derrick Henry has 11 carries for 12 yards. <laughs> 12 yeah, yards. 1.09 yards per carry. Now, you may say, well, Zach, they get up to the one-yard line or inside the five, and they're probably just cramming them right in there. He has two attempts inside the five. So two yeah. of the 11 attempts are inside the five. Uh, he has uh, six attempts, uh, I believe six attempts uh, from 19 to 10. Those six attempts have netted 0.33 yards per attempt. That's from the 19-yard line into the 10-yard line. From the 10 to the goal line, nine attempts, or from the 20 to the 5-yard line, sorry. Nine attempts, 11 yards, 1.56 yards per carry. So that's the six that you've already had, then you had three more. This is not a good red zone running back anymore. It's bad. And it's sad, and I hate that. That's the rea reality we live in. I think you said he had uh, Tajay Spears has two carries. I think one from the twenty, uh, yeah. or one and one from the and nineteen. One from the nineteen, yeah. Because I don't have. I only had the one from the nineteen because I only did nineteen to uh, the goal line. But yeah. the um, I, I just have to say something, and it, I know this is an unpopular opinion, and I am not saying a bunch of things. I am not saying that Tajay Spears. Is Chris Johnson. I am not signing, saying that Ty J Spears is prime Derrick Henry or is the same kind of running back as Derrick Henry, but he is a different running back that is proven to be more effective, whether that is because he can actually pass block, whether that's because he can catch passes and be lined up in different areas, whether that's because that Derrick Henry is a decoy. It doesn't matter. You're like, Whatever reason you want to throw out, well, you know, the offensive line sucks. They're horrible at run blocking. So they're just horrible at run blocking for Derrick Henry, but not horrible at run blocking for Tajay Spears? Or are they just horrible at run blocking and one guy doesn't need the, the offensive line to be good, which is, which is Tajay Spears, and the other guy 
or effective, I guess you say. And the other guy needs a good run blocking line in this stage of his career to be effective. So what are you saying? Because this is kind of like when Marcus, you remember when Ryan Tannehill come in and everybody said, well, the offense changes for Marcus or changed for Tannehill. It was totally yeah. different offense. Running all the bootlegs. Yeah, totally Where did all these bootlegs come from? Like, again, I I love Derek Henry. I, but I, we all saw the writing on the wall. We all thought that Derek, uh, we, me and you, thought that Derek Henry should get traded. Yeah. We, we, we've thought this for a while now. And it's, it's playing out on the field. Quit ostriching and putting it in there. I, you got to find the balance. And I think they're kind of having a hard time finding the balance. Because I think they want Derrick Henry to be something that he can't be consistently. And this Titans team needs consistency. It's consistently inconsistent. That's the only thing it's consistent is that it's terribly inconsistent. And part of this and part of the problem is Derrick Henry in the red zone. It's And we just got to accept it that he can't be the guy that he's been and giving him more carries is more of a product like the whole 20 wins and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, or if you get 20 carries, he gets like, you know, we always win. If he's got 20 carries, that's a, almost a product of how the game played out before Derrick Henry got all the carries at, in the fourth quarter. Right. That, that is why that stat is the way it, it's like the 100 yard rushers. Like, you know, well teams with 100 yard rushers are 97 and 10 or whatever. Yes, because they're running the ball because they're ahead uh, and trying to run out the clock. It is a uh, symptom. It is not a cause. Um, so, yeah, the Derrick Henry 20 carry stuff is ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, I mean. Sure, there, and point, I will say this uh, real quick. I want to because he's in the chat and he had a hard time finding his unpopular opinion. Uh, he strike one, one, three in the uh, in the chat. But it's Eldon English because he found his. And I do sort of agree with this, but I also like I know that it's very circumstantial. Given giving the ball to Henry Moore would not have resulted in wins in any of the three games of Titans lost. Now, I agree with two of the games, this last game and the Cleveland game. But I think in the Saints game, they really could have leaned on Derrick Henry towards the end of the game to get him those 25 carries and a win to milk the clock. But he says, and Tim Kelly has been a very bright spot overall. Totally agree. And no one would talk about Henry if players would execute the plays called correctly. And we'll get more on that. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I knew he was in the chat. Yeah. And I want to go back to your, your stat, the 1.09 yards per attempt in the red zone. Henry, between 2019 and 2022, Average 3.22 yards per attempt in the red zone, which, of course, like obviously, it you're, sounds low, but you have sounds, to understand that there's low, only 19 yards number. you can go, right? right. Like, there's only so, so many yards you can go, yeah. So, like, it, you can't just say compared to your average yards per attempt overall because you know that includes like 40 yards touch touchdown runs, which you can't have a 40 yard touchdown run in, in the red zone, obviously. And you're yeah, a one yard run is often successful in, in the red zone. Um, or I wouldn't say all, often, but sometimes successful, whereas most of the time it's not on other parts of the field. So, Henry, but I mean, either way, you're looking at the same area of the field, and he's a third 
of the production that he's been over the past, you know, four years since he basically became a bell cow back in this offense. I think it's a, a huge alarm bell going off. And I, I don't think it's all Henry's fault. Like 100% think this has to do as well with a lighter offensive line, which we talked about all off season. They were going lighter. They were going more athletic. Um, they're smaller at pretty much every spot on the offensive line besides, I guess, left guard where, you know, obviously they, they <laughs> couldn't get smaller than Brewer last year. And Skaronsky's a bigger, more powerful player, but um you know, left but, tackle, they're smaller. Can I say you know, center, though? they're smaller. Right guard, they're smaller. Right tackle, they're smaller. They yeah. are smaller almost across the board up front. But his vision has been just absolutely terrible. Oh, yeah. I think I think Henry has something to do with it, too. I, I'm not yeah. letting him off the hook. No, I know you're not. I, I just want to throw that out there. Like, I have seen uh, Derrick Henry run up the ass of offensive linemen way more than I have in previous years. And let's be honest here. If you look at the metrics compared to previous years, this run-blocking offensive line isn't any worse than what he had last year, isn't any worse than 2021, and I believe 2019. I think it's 2020 was the year that had a really good offensive line for run-blocking and stuff. Uh, But one of those years, it's been, this is a normal par for the course for this this run-blocking unit so far. Doesn't mean that's great, but Henry used to be able to make plays and not get his shit kicked in by Zaire Franklin or EJ yeah. Speed. They're used, that's it. All goes back to I think it was Jihad Ward in the Giants game when I saw Jihad Ward just blast him off the ground. I was like, I think the defense is not. I don't think defenses are scared of Derrick Henry. And I, I still think he's running hard. And I think still think he's a physical back in that, like, you know, you still do see him push piles forward and generate yards after contact and things like that. But he is not, he's not the guy he was in 2019, 2020 by any means. Like we, I think if you're think still hanging on to this idea, sort of understand that too. I think they're clinging to it. And that's something that Paul and I talked about as well was like, it feels like a lot of the issues that Titans have, found themselves in is because they can't choose a path right now. Like they've, they've, and this was part of my issue with the the off season was it felt like they were trying to thread this needle of like, all right, we're going to go get Will Levis. He's for the future. We're going to go get Tyje Spears. He's for the future. And we'll use them right now a little bit too. But, but we also are going to go get DeAndre Hopkins. We're going to keep Derek Henry. We're going to keep Kevin Byard. We're going to keep Ryan Tannehill. And so we're going to try to win the division this year, but also we're going to try to set ourselves up, you know, for 2024 and beyond. They kind of tried to like both sides the thing um, and, and didn't commit to like one direction as far as like, are we going for it this year? Which I, I never thought they should have gone for it this year. They just were not in a position to be able to do that. So I always thought that they were, this was the off season where they should have, gone with a more hard reset and, and that's was my opinion the whole off season was that this was the this was the season to do it set yourself up to like be good in 2024 um not don't don't focus on what you're gonna do this year because he I, I just didn't think they had the infrastructure to be good this year um but the same thing i think applies to the henry taisha spears thing is like they still feel like they their identity is this Derrick Henry, you know, we're going to be physical up front and bully you and push you around and all that like offense. But 
they don't have any, they don't have the horses to execute that anymore. And I think, you know, they have this other side of the offense that's like Tajay Spears, you know, some of the, the trick play stuff, some of the more creative things. And I feel like that's been more effective um, so far this season. And they, but they won't lean all the way into it because of Henry, because like Henry is this guy that like, he's got this huge outsized presence in the team. Rightfully so. I, I'm not saying like that, that, you know, they should treat Derrick Henry like he's, you know, fucking Gus Edwards or something like that. But, um, Henry Henry's presence I on I think is preventing them from moving all the way into that offense that I think they kind of want to be now um so I I just think it's this weird hodgepodge right now and I don't know how that gets better this year unless they actually do pick a path um and figure out how they can make it effective with with Henry I agree. Before we get any further, because we got some tight end takes, we got some talk about Tannehill. Of course, we always got to talk about Tannehill. God, we got we got it's, some. Well, uh, we, it's time. God, it's, God, God's favorite idiot has uh, put up a tweet. So we got all kinds of people to talk about. Uh, but Sinker's beverages special surprise for those that are in Nashville or coming to Nashville soon. While supplies last, there was a week a couple months ago. Uh, 440 Sports, me, Braden, Tim Dodge, Joe, a couple other guys. We went to uh, the this Wild Turkey Distillery, picked out uh, our barrel for Sinker's Beverages. Now, there is a part that, that that stuff has hit the shelves. However, some of it has. There are special editions because some of that it hasn't hit the shelves. Let me let me rephrase. Because Braden called me, he didn't give me a script, so he called me. <laughs> the the bluegrass, the stuff that the bluegrass beverages and the sinker beverages in crowds reserved have gone out. They are holding for a few weeks, maybe just one. So don't quote me on that. Let's just let's just put a one week limit on it right now until Braden comes back on Monday. One week. <laughs> of um go up there to sinker's beverages go behind the bar or don't go behind there they'll arrest you tell them that you are a listener of football and other f-words 440 sports or a football show and that you would like to buy the barrel or buy a bottle of the barrel that we picked out and they have some held back specifically for our our audience listeners so go over there get that done it's delicious it's so fucking good but it's only at sinker's beverages okay I butchered that. I'll get complaints about it from whenever Braden listens to this as he is on vacation. I'll get complaints <laughs> about it. Called called you idiot. I should have wrote it down, but he called me while I was making dinner. Okay. Oh man. Let's let's talk. Let's since we're talking about Tim Kelly. Mm-hmm. I want to read you the worst tweet of 2023 so far. That is Titans related. And it's from uh from up north, Jersey Coast, of course. It's from Sal, who likes to cry when people bull- when people make fun of his bad takes, and then but then turn around and tell him, "Well, you guys are the ones crying." Okay, <laughs> I'll gladly eat crow if I'm wrong. And there's about six periods, seven periods, but I think the team 
or, or sorry, I think the Tim Kelly experiment has concluded too. T-O-O. No more excuses. 17.5 points a game? With this roster? Unacceptable hashtag Titans, which I, I feel like they should, you know, block them again. Um, every For the most part, I have to say that people are really calling out his bad takes a lot lately because he's had a slew of them lately. Uh, he says, you know, people are like, this roster sucks and the offensive line is terrible. He goes, well, you have a top three receiver and running back on your team. Stop it. Okay, so he thinks DeAndre Hopkins, top three receiver. Derrick Henry, top three running back, which neither are true, even though DeAndre Hopkins is doing really well. Okay. And our, our bud, Robert Greenlaw, of course, interacts, talks to him, and asks for the proof. Like, where's your proof that they have lost games or missed opportunities because of Tim Kelly and not because of player execution? Silence, it's been it's been over 24 hours to this point. No silence, because if you ask for proof from Sal, because he has no clue what the fuck he's watching, because remember, he said Malik Willis has no flaws per the film that he watched in college. Um, and don't forget, you know, the Will Levis quarterback mechanics and all that kind of stuff. So, I ask you, Tim Kelly's job, because everybody wants to tout, well, 17.5 a game, and, oh, the Titans are 26 in points. Well, I think they're conveniently leaving out three touchdowns in the Saints game that he schemed up. And the missed opportunity by the Derrick Henry DeAndre Hopkins this past weekend. Like, the dude is creative. I I, I get that there are play-calling questions, which every play-caller, you're going to have play-calling questions. There is no perfect play-caller in the NFL. There are people that are close. They're really great and elite. They're elite play callers, of course, but not every play caller is going to call the perfect game every time. But I have a hard time even putting Tim Kelly in the top 10 blame, I guess, people to blame and for this whole thing. Like, I, I don't understand how Tim Kelly could be on anybody's radar where you're already giving up on him while conveniently, which is funny. Because for a guy that complains about Ryan Tannehill, that complains about Traylon Burks, that complains about every player on this fucking team. If listen, if Traylon Burks farted, this guy's gonna get on here and complain about it. If Ryan Tannehill decides that, hey, I'm not going to church today, I'm gonna stay home, this guy's gonna fucking complain about it. So it's wild that now Ryan Tannehill's for the purposes of this tweet, Ryan Tannehill is good and Tim Kelly sucks. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre moving of the football when you you look at it and you're like, well, this offense should be a lot better than it is, but also the quarterback sucks. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, one of those two things could be true, um, but not both. It's, I think Tim Kelly. Look, everyone wanted Art Smith's head after what six weeks too, right? When when he became play caller yeah. uh, in 2019. Um, everyone was, you know, he's in over his head. I can't believe he still has a job, all this. And then they make the quarterback change and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, he's the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, to a year and a half later, he's leaving to become a head coach. Now I'm not saying like that's going to happen this year with Tim Kelly, but it's a lesson that we should have already learned. Like don't write off a coordinator after five fucking games. 
Yeah, it's the execution, not the play calling. Of especially, why, yeah. yeah. In the in this situation, yeah. Especially when we can all look at this roster and see that it is shitty. It's shitty. Like Tim Kelly didn't cause Traylon Burks to drop those passes. Tim Kelly hasn't caused Chiga Conquo to drop those passes. Tim Kelly didn't teach Andre Dillard to to have the you know lightest anchor in the world. Like. Those are not things that Tim Kelly designed and Tim Kelly created. Those those are things that he is having to work around right now. Um, while having a limited quarterback, while having a declining running back who's very one dimensional. Um, oh, so I forgot it, about the Nick Westberger Kine pass in the Colts game as well. Yeah, I mean, they, he, I think he's legitimately done some good creative things. I am still pro Tim Kelly. Um, and I think it, things will, I think things have moved better. Now the red zone issue, as we just discussed is, is an enormous problem for this team because they're just not built to have like, they're not built to score a ton on explosive plays. Right. I mean, they, they'll get some every now and then, but they just, that's not them. They're not the chiefs. They're not the bills. Um, that that's just, a, it's just a different animal. They need to be efficient in the red zone to be successful or at least decently efficient. They can't be bottom four in the league uh, in red zone touchdown conversions and and hope to be successful. So they need to get that fixed. And and I think Kelly is, is, is responsible to that. Even if he is, you know, uh, what subcontracting that out to another, you know, coach on the staff, as far as game planning and, and all that stuff. But um I think I think it's way too early to throw in the towel on an offensive coordinator after five games. It's, it's we've really, learned this lesson. fucking ridiculous. Because I mean, if lesson. you look at what he schemed up, yeah, he has schemed up some really fucking awesome plays. But in, know, and there are execution. plays like like yeah. Tannehill has missed wide open, you know, opportunities multiple, multiple, multiple times. You know, so like, yeah, I I just don't see how you can look at the result I mean, if you look at the results sure you can point blame at him if you want to i guess assuming you think this roster is decent which i don't think anyone does um but if you look at the actual plays i i think it's hard to not come away and think tim kelly is doing a pretty good job with what he's been given okay ryan Tannehill, i brace favorite subject uh, Austin put it best. He says, Ryan Tannehill, his unpopular opinion is Ryan Tannehill isn't actually the personification of the West Nile virus, like many Titans fans think. It seems to be a pretty unpopular opinion. But the, the most popular and popular opinion is that there's really no point in having Ryan Tannehill on this team. Trade him for whatever you can get for him. Or it's time to just accept the fact that Ryan Tannehill which we all know can't elevate the team. And then it's probably time to get a good extensive NFL action. Look at Malik Willis and, or will Levis. I, we had talked about this last week, so I don't want to spend too much time, but are we still honest conversation just between us, me and you, are we still thinking that even if it's a loss if I, and they're still in the playoffs contention heading into the bye week, that coming out of the bye week, Ryan Tannehill is still the quarterback. I think he probably will be. 
Um, even if they lose, even if Jacksonville's four and two and they're two and four, because I mean, it's two games, right? And, and we talked all off season that the softer part of the schedule. Now I will say this, the back half of the schedule does not look as soft as it did. I think it still does. I think everybody's overreacting. It's still soft. I mean, the Dolphins are way better than we thought they'd be. I think the Texans are Listen, certainly the, better than the we Titans thought they'd are gonna be. Titans are going to win against the Dolphins. I don't know why everybody's worried about it. It's just <laughs> a, it's going to be that fucking stupid ass Mike Vrabel game that everybody's like, how the hell did they win that game? Maybe, maybe. Um, but the Bucks, the Steelers, I think are both, you know, good enough teams to beat the Titans. Um, that, I don't know. Like, I think they have the better defense. But I think I've taken the Titans offense over the Steelers. Oh, I don't know if I'm, I, I mean, I'm, Matt I'm holding Canada my nose on atrocious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Matt Canada is atrocious. Their quarterback sucks. Um, They don't have a run game. Like I still feel like that still favors Tennessee Titans. Like I always felt like I, you know, I've always felt. And I'm still, I don't know how long the Baker Mayfield magic is actually going to last. Like we'll see. It just feels I'm- a little fluky. I actually, I actually kind of believe in the Baker stuff this well, year. He, you know, the, he did. You know, Red R- River rivalry and all. I that know. Stuff. I, I, uh, I went on the Irish NFL show. Which shout out to those guys. Those guys are so much fun and and like always a great time. Uh, but that was the, my first podcast of the day. Um, and I, I went on there, complimented the Houston Texans and Baker Mayfield, and I'm like, what? Like why? What am I doing here? I still like, think I'm, the Houston Texans are a fluke too. I, I like. I think some of this stuff is just going to run out by the time the Titans find these teams. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> the more the season goes on, the more I'm like. I mean, the Texans might be a fluke. They might still be better than the Titans. I I, I don't know. Um, and before the season, I would have never said the Texans are better than the Titans. I would have never said the Colts are better than the Titans, but those teams are better than the Titans right now. Uh, but do, you think, do you think they're really better or do you think that, well, the win-loss records and like kind of say they are better? Do you oh, really I think, they're, think they're better? I think they're really better. I think they're really better. Because I, I think I think the Colts, I think the Colts offensive line has woken up after last year. Um, they, they dominated the Titans. What What should have been what everyone you know thought thumping our chest heading into that game was, well, the, they aren't going to run on the Titans. You know, nobody runs on the Titans. They ran all over the fucking Titans. They they bullied them like we used to bully the Colts uh, for years, right? Um, so that to me was an alarm bell. That like, look, if this run defense can't even be counted on to show up in a a big game, a big division game. What do what do the Titans have to hang their hat on at this well, point? You know, let's have an honest and conversation. So I know here, here's kind of where I'm at on this. All pro. Here's kind of where I'm at on this. Is that I think that is like if you played that game with the same people, no tear tart. Uh, Anthony Richardson goes down whenever he goes down. I think if you play that game ten times, ten times, the Titans win nine times. And I feel oh, like I don't the know same. If I believe that. I, I, I. That's what I feel, and it's not that I think that the Titans are overwhelmingly great uh, a team overall across the NFL. It's just that I don't believe that the the. I, I. It's just one of those days, any given Sunday, 
that I feel like it's like if Justin Herbert suddenly beats the Chiefs, like or whoever. I think I don't think he's beaten the Chiefs yet, but he's eventually going to have to. Right? There's going to eventually be a game where the the Chargers beat the Chiefs. I feel like it's just one of those games where like the streak just had to come to an end, and this was the game that came to that we're going to pick right back up. Like I feel like 2.0. I think the Titans are going to destroy the Colts. I mean, you never know. Um, but I also think, I mean, the Colts outgained them by almost 100 yards. There was no turnovers. Like, this didn't feel particularly fluky to me. Um, you know, maybe you could say the red zone stuff, you know, was a big factor, and that could swing the other way. I feel way. like the, the, the player's demeanor was fluky to me. And I maybe. feel like that goes a long way know. for this team. I feel like that changes everything for this team. Like, they are an emotionally unstable team. <laughs> Which is not okay. that doesn't bode well. <laughs> doesn't bode well, but I think it bodes well against teams like the Colts of Texas. We'll see. I, I don't know. I I left this game feeling like the Colts were the more physical team on both sides of the ball. And that's, and, and that's I do feel never that been way. the case. And I don't feel that yeah. way that's gonna be the case when they play next. Like I don't feel that's gonna be the case going forward. Like I just I I don't feel that's gonna be the case. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't I don't know. I, I this game was very disheartening to me. It, it weighed heavy on you, I know, because I mean Texas lost. Well you know. uh, Alabama uh, hasn't lost since Texas, so I had a know. brutal unlike you guys. Well well because I mean, you know, I, I thought I thought Texas's win against Bama didn't count because Bama was bad. Uh but now actually Bama's good. And but Texas's win still doesn't count for some reason because you know reasons. Listen, uh, and you got your mom. Oklahoma's a good football team. It was a good game. It was a rough weekend weekend for sure. Um, it was brutal weekend to be honest with you. But the uh, so you where you at? So we've gotten sidetracked about. Let's get back to Ryan Tanner. I but I'll, I'll say this: I left the Texas OU game as frustrating as that was, and as devastating as that was feeling still pretty good about Texas that I think Texas is still a good football team. I left Titans Colts feeling terrible about the Titans, that the Titans just how much of that, let's be honest, though, how much of that is confirmation bias? Because you just hated this Titans team this whole year, this maybe. whole off season. Maybe, so how much of this is confirmation of bias? It could be some of it, but I, I don't know. I, I still feel pretty good about my uh, Titans hate from this offseason, and I'm mad at myself for allowing DeAndre Hopkins to talk me into this team being, you know, a contender for for the division title and all that. Because, I still think they're and, a contender for the division title. I just do not believe in this division yet. I, there, I've seen nothing that convinces me that this division is not up for grabs, and that's been a very unpopular opinion. People that believe this division is still up for grabs, and it really kind of is. The Jaguars I think, I think aren't that good. Yeah. I mean, I think it still it's, is. I think it's the division is still up for grabs, but I, I don't. I just have very little faith in the Titans being the team that grabs it at this point. Because okay, I, so I, just, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill. When will, will what will have to happen for him to get benched in your mind? Honest conversation. I think the Titans would need to fall out of the out of the realistic divisional race. They would need okay. to be like four games back or more, probably. Okay. Honest opinion and thoughts, and you can kind of split this up on the fourth and one shotgun run play. Because here, here's what I want to say about this. I think that going for it was the right thing. Yeah. I think that if you put Tajay Spears back there instead of Derrick Henry, that 
that goes for the first down. However, I want to ask you something, and I and I think it's important to ask this question. How far back is Derrick Henry? If if it was to go under center, what is the yard difference between where Derrick Henry lined up in the shotgun from the line? So from the the center's ass to where he lined up, yeah. Versus shotgun, is there a is there a difference? Yeah, I mean he's 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 honestly closer to the line of scrimmage in shotgun than he is if if he. So shouldn't he be a? Shouldn't it be easier for him to get the first? I think the difference is on a play like that. If you're behind, if you're under center, if Tannehill's under center, Henry's behind him. He's able to take the first step forward, and he's able to be headed north and south with a little bit of a head of steam uh, immediately. Whereas shotgun requires him to start laterally first, and yeah. then try to cut and get upfield, which I to me takes a little bit out of the of the piss out of Derrick Henry. Like you know, if you're going to use your 250 pound back, I think you want to slam him in there rather than you know try to shuffle him in sideways so i i i would agree with the idea that like i would have rather that been under center but honestly my bigger gripe is can we not run it right at deforest buckner their best fucking player and asking chris hubbard to block him one-on-one can we not do that like i don't care how impressed mike Vrabel is with chris hubbard putting 32 inch t-rex arms on deforest buckner one-on-one and and saying hey this is my key block um just not a good matchup like i'd you know call the timeout get out of that shit as soon as buckner lines up over hubbard like i I just there was so much bad about that play to me okay we're gonna do a little bit of rapid fire because i I got i want to get to some bigger stuff we're going up against time nick fucks uh he said (laughs) that deandre hopkins will stay on this team is his unpopular opinion next year and before i read that i had been thinking that same exact thing because hasn't DeAndre Hopkins played exceedingly well versus your probably your expectations? Yeah. And wouldn't it be better for this team to at least have one capable wide receiver that's not Nick Westbrook-Akine heading into the offseason next year? Because right now, I can't count and rely on Traylon Burks to be that guy. So rapid fire. DeAndre Hopkins, give a percentage. Will he be on this team next year? Like ninety nine percent, I think he's on the team unless he retires or gets super Ooh, injured. We're both on the same page. I like that. That means we're wrong. Okay, who's <laughs> better, Josh Wiley or Chigakonkwo? Oh shit, man! I that, I is, will, that is one that was all up in here. I will say Wiley has played really well the last couple of weeks, and I think it's more of a thing where like Akonkwo's just been disappointing, and I think we're mad at him a little bit because I still think it's probably close. Is it kind of like a um, Chig is more talented, but Josh Wiley is playing better? I don't even know that Chig's necessarily necessarily more talented. I mean, it, oh, Wiley, oh, he's faster. That is Chig's quite faster. The take. You don't think he's talent, more talented? I think he's faster, but I think Wiley, for a guy that's six foot seven, um, has a lot of wiggle uh, to his well, game and is a really good athlete. I mean, he's man. a like Chick was like a four five five guy, I think, and Wiley was four six nine. So it's not like, I mean, it's not like they're completely different. Um, it, they are completely different athletes as far as like the type of athletes they are. But Wiley's a very good athlete. Wiley's a talented guy. I, wow. I don't think it's 
So you are, crazy. so you're on train that Josh Wiley's uh, George Kittle and uh, Chigakonko is Ross Dwelly is what I'm hearing. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite ready to go there, but I, I, I have liked what I've seen from Wiley the last. I, I like what I've seen from Wiley too, and I, and I've always liked Wiley's prospects, but I think, I think we just got to breathe. Yeah, and I think that I Chig think, is the better tight end. I, I think and maybe it's not right now. I think better. by the end of the season, we'll say. Man, those people in Zach's replies saying Josh Wiley is better than Chinkonko is probably a bunch of idiots. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I, I think I think that, there's a lot of them in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Chick is awful, is what I'm reading. All kinds of stuff. Okay, this is from George Woodard. Jeffrey Simmons might have a problem with injuries. Won't say injury prone just yet. I haven't seen it discussed because he usually plays through it. But when he does play through it. It's in parentheses. He didn't actually type that, but that's what he means. But is a shell of himself. Okay. Yeah. Where do you agree? Where Where are you at? How many more injuries can Jeffrey Simmons sustain before you say, I think he's a little injury pro? I mean, I kind of agree with it now. I mean, because oh. he popped up with an ankle issue. Great, great Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. During the week. Right. I mean, I, th I think he's just a guy that, I mean, has has taken some lumps. Um, and, Look, last season that ankle injury was apparently pretty bad, and it showed. Like he he was not good down the stretch. He was totally a different player. Um, we'll see what happens, like with his shoulder thing and all that. It seems like that's probably less of a big deal than what the ankle was uh, last year. But yeah, I mean he's kind of been banged up. He had the ACL coming into it, you know, and and he's had a couple ankle issues. Now he's got the shoulder thing, so. Um, like his physical game in there. He plays it as violently as anyone. I think he's going to get banged up to some degree. So I'm not necessarily ready to call him injury prone either, but there's a little bit of a, uh, concern, I guess you could say with that, but you know, DeForest Buckner's the same way. He's always hurt with something. Okay. This from Austin Miller TV at, on, on X, this team should entertain offers for Jeffrey Simmons to acquire as much draft cap capital as possible is his unpopular opinion. Uh, a lot of people want, you know, Tannehill traded. They want Derrick Henry traded. We talked at the top of the show about how this uh, Jeffrey Simmons is the only player that has an upward trajectory that is still young. So I ask you, because uh, we're going to go into the defense next a little bit deeper. We're going to put you in some hot water here. Where are you at on if you can trade him? Trade him. If you can get something for him, trade him. Give me your top five players on the team that you would trade, even if it was a six for seventh, like Chase Claypool. Who would you trade? Mm. I mean, I'd, I'd trade Tannehill. Um, I would trade uh, Fulton for sure, obviously. I think that's a gimme. I would trade Bayard if I could, uh, but I'd need to get something decent back for him. Um, I'd Henry would be in the same boat. I'd trade him if I could get something decent back. You can't, I'm, you know, certain nobody's going to give up a high pick to get uh, an aging running back uh, on an expiring expensive contract. Um, yeah. Uh, who else? Um, I'm not trading Simmons. You know, we talked about this team being like, void of young stars henry or simmons is the only guy that really qualifies as that still and i mean he's what 20 how old is he 26 
Is he still 26 or is he 27? Yeah, I, think now? I think he's 26. Um, so, yeah, he's still 26 years old and one of the best defensive tackles in the game when he's right. Um, so I, I'm I'm hanging on to, to Simmons. You could convince me to trade pretty much anyone else on the roster, though, I think. I, I'm not, you know. I'm not clinging to too many other guys. Maybe maybe you don't trade Skaronsky. Uh, he, lo- he looks pretty good, too. Okay. I, I can't find it. I don't know where it went. But someone had wrote, and this is where you're going to get in trouble because you've been, you've been a hater. You've, you're, you're back on the hater train uh, right now. But someone wrote, if I could find it, I wish uh, whoever wrote this was a genius. But if it wasn't for tipped passes... Kevin Byard would be considered an average safety. <laughs> and as a, as you are a noted Byard hater. Oh, that's uh, not true. true. Um, where are you at on two things? Kevin Byard right now. Yes. But also, I've seen a lot of people talk about that Jim Schwartz is uh, was the secret sauce. So where are you at on those two things this season in 2023? I think Bayard's in decline, which goes along with the Henry take I had earlier. And I think statistically that bears out. Um, I mentioned, you know, and on the film PF- too. Yeah, I think on the film too. Um, but statistically, if you look at Bayard's numbers per PFF tracking, charting data, whatever you want to call it, uh, he's been targeted 17 times this season. He's given up 13 catches for like 100 something yards. You know, not you know, not terrible, but he has zero PBUs, zero. Got his hands on zero footballs so far this season. Um, that's unusual for Bayard. It's you know something that he's been very good at over the course of his career. Either you know, obviously picking off passes, but then also you know breaking up passes, being in the mix. And I, I'm just sitting here going like. Watching the games, I'm like, I, I can't remember a whole lot of plays that Kevin Byard's made this season. You know, I can remember plays that Danico Autry's made, that that you know Jeffrey Simmons has made, that even Aziz Alshire's made. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting, I, I can't remember. Uh, Amani Hooker, I can remember plays he's made. I, I can't remember a ton that Byard's done. And everyone brings up, well, well, if the officials hadn't blown the whistle on the uh, fumble by Arden Key, that you know he would have had a, a touchdown. I'm like. But you don't get that much credit for like picking up a ball that rolled to you and then running with it uh, as a defensive player. Like I'm not giving him like gold star for for that. Um, and the 17 targets that that he's seen this year, because a lot of people came back at me. Well, teams just don't target him. That's why he doesn't make plays. And and that's you know he's everyone's too busy throwing at Kirsten Fulton. No, actually, 17 targets is putting him on pace to be targeted more this season than he has at any season in his entire career, um, you know, since entering the NFL. So, yeah, I don't think he's seeing that roster bonus next year. Yeah, I just I I think he's I think he's in decline. I I think he's lost a step. I don't think he was all that. You know, he's a guy that got by because he was smart. Uh, and he still is smart. Like, I, I have no doubt that he is reading the game. Mike, Mike is calling Kevin Byard an idiot. <laughs> but I just think he's not a, he wasn't a fast guy to begin with. I, I think he's lost a step off of that, that mediocre speed that he had coming into the league. And I think that's a problem. I think that's why you don't see him around the ball all that often anymore. Uh, he did recover the one, the fumble 
against the Bengals, which I will give him credit for because he ran a long way to go make that fumble recovery as a heads-up play. That's it. I mean, you got one fumble recovery and one fumble recovery that uh, rolled to him on a ball play that was blown dead. That's the two plays that everyone's trying to hang their hats on right now. He just hasn't been an impactful player. It, I don't think he's been a bad player. I don't think he's not like Christian Fulton out here, you know, stinking it up, causing them to lose. But he's also not worth what his contract is right now. Like he's not played up to that level through five games. It's a long season. Maybe he turns it around and and you know, at the end of the year, we're all thrilled to be paying him, you know, fifteen million dollars a year or whatever he's getting at this point. But I I think he's trending in the wrong direction for Bayard, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's elsewhere next year. I agree. Okay. I didn't I've had a couple of Christian Fulton ones in here, and one of them was um Was it from Christian, his dad? No, it wasn't from his dad. Um he didn't your mom me or anything. <laughs> I, I I've seen a couple people say this that Christian Fulton has no trade value. Now I disagree in the sense that ever Christian Fulton has trade value. If Chase Claypool has trade value, no. Christian Fulton has trade value. It may not yeah. be the trade value you want for a second round pick, a former second round pick, but you still have trade value. That now that, that may just be you know a little bit of uh, semantics, but I feel like he has trade value. Um, but this I think from, you could get a seventh for him. Sure, yeah. yeah. This is from Juicebox678 on X. Fulton should not be benched, and he is the best option at cornerback on the roster. Heavily unpopular opinion, obviously. Uh, I will have to say this. Christian Fulton has been terrible outside of one game. Just absolutely burnt toast. He's slob of the year for 2023 so far and Dennis Daly was the previous award winner of slob of the year for the Tennessee Titans he's terrible he takes zero accountability he can't stay healthy and what's worse is that his parents are better defenders than he is so I ask you Mike where are you at honest conversation just between us just between friends where are you at with Christian fucking Fulton I'm out I'm out. I'd, I've been uh, in Fulton's corner for such a long time and, and just waiting for the light to come back on because we've seen stretches of really good play from him. And I still think he's a talented uh, player and, and still has that potential in him to be good. But I, I think his attitude, I, I you know, it seems like it is the ref's fault. It's, you know, everyone else's fault. It's never Christian Fulton's fault. Um, that he gives up two gigantic pass interference penalties and 80 yards plus receiving in in a game. I mean, total disaster. They probably win that game if they get even decent cornerback play from that spot. Um, and no, like John Murphy bunting hasn't been perfect. Like he didn't have the best game against the Colts either. Um but he's had some good games. He he's been better, certainly on average, than Fulton has been. And McCreary's been better than both of them. McCreary's been really, really good this year, and is probably like behind Simmons and maybe Tyshea Spears, like one of the young guys that I'm actually most excited about right now. Um, is, is that McCreary actually looks like I mean, he's a he's a, a starter for the next you know, four to five years if you want him to be. I I, I don't think he's going to be a superstar. He's not going to be Sauce Gardner or anything like that. 
but I think he's a, a solid, dependable starter. And look, like, I mean, the guy's always available. Whatever the, you know, baked beans he's eating all the time must be, uh, you know, good, good sauce for keeping him healthy because that dude is, is an animal. Like he never comes off the field ever. It's, it's great. And now he'll get hurt next game. So you can come back and thank me for that change. Thanks a lot, Jackass, especially at the, this fucking London field that they have. I mean, the, the bill, I listed the bills broadcast on my way back from Memphis, you know, covering the London game. God, they were just upset. And of course, Mike Vrabel's just like, well, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll leave on Friday, head over to the, head over to London. <laughs> fucking idiot. Honest that conversation. That is the dumbest fucking move, especially if you know your opponent is going earlier than you. Just stupid. Just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I, it'll, it'll be, if they lose this game, that'll be blamed for it. Although I think they were going to lose this game, whether they showed up you know 10 weeks well, ago or sorry it's a home day. game they win yeah. they score 27 they win that's that's <laughs> them's them's the them's that's the ways of the tennessee titans yeah, in 2023 so far um that will do it for us we had a, a we hope you enjoyed our honest conversation we hope that you have now started becoming honest with yourselves and honestly you should have it over to bluegrass beverages in hendersonville tennessee head over to their beer cave go on get some alcohol in you Get it for the London game. Make you some Bloody Marys with some of their mix that they have over there and the vodka you can buy. If you're big into mimosas, or as my dad calls them, Formosas, because there used to be a Chinese restaurant called Formosa where, in, where uh, I grew up, and he cannot get it out of his head that it's called a mimosa. But if you're into Formosas, mimosas, it doesn't matter. Champagne can be bought at Bluegrass Beverages. So head over to Hendersonville, Tennessee, 555 North Main Street. For Mike Herndon, where you can read all of his writing at paulkarski.com. And you can follow him on X at Mike Herndon NFL. I'm Zach Lyons. You can read all my work and Stoney's work and Trajan Watkins' work over at stackingtheinbox.com. And you can follow me on X at EffortsPod. This has been an honest conversation. Football and other efforts after dark. Oh. <laughs>